0: Please go and visit Ukraine. You will not be disappointed. You will fall in love with it. You will fall in love with the culture, the people, everything. It's an amazing, amazing country and you should definitely go visit.
1: this podcast shows that ukraine is not what foreigners see on television in reality ukrainian people are much better much more interesting and friendly than other people expect this podcast is about the real life experiences work and personalities of ukrainian people as well as foreigners who lived in ukraine with a focus on the capital kiev so that foreigners discover the positive truth about ukraine hear the voices of ukrainians visit the country and invest in the economy creating more opportunities for the younger ukrainian generations to stay and build their country hello my name is aziz and i have a deep connection with ukraine my grandfather volunteered in 1987 to help clean the chernobyl chemical radiation because he believed in humanity he was a real hero for me and even though He struggled with cancer after that for the rest of his life. He always told me so many great things about Ukraine and its people. Then from 2018 to 2019 for two years, I began working with UNICEF in Ukraine to help build orphanages for the children who lost their families in the war. I couldn't return to Ukraine in 2020 because of COVID-19, so this project is my volunteer work to help ukraine and thank you all for the support this podcast now is ranking number one on apple podcasts about ukraine top 100 travel podcasts in switzerland top 60 travel podcasts in the uk top 25 travel podcasts on apple russia and top 20 on apple poland thank you my guest today is emily cairns emily is a student at erasmus university rotterdam for management of international social Challenges. Misok, Emily is 18, a British citizen, but she has lived in Russia from four months old until nine and then moved to Ukraine and graduated from the Petchersk School International. Her interests include documentaries, films, sports, soccer or football, <laughs> mindfulness, meditation, and music. Ukraine has a very special place in her heart and she sees Kiev as her home more than anywhere else. Emily, how are you today?
0: I'm doing well, thank you. Thank you for having me on.
1: I am glad and happy and there are so many things we can discuss and I could even ask you, what is your life story? And maybe I will, but I want to ask first, how come At 18, you're already interested in mindfulness and meditation.
0: Well, it actually started not even that long ago. It was uh, during quarantine when the coronavirus buzz started. Um, I was spending a lot of time at home because of the restrictions and everything. And I thought that it would be a good way to make use of my time and try and, you know, clear my mind during these difficult times. So I found it really, really useful. And uh, yeah, I've kept it going and it's just helped me in everyday life.
1: Wonderful. So then I imagine that before you began meditating, when you were in lockdown or quarantine, you had that tendency maybe to overthink or your brain to really, can you tell more about that? Not in a way, like say I have such and such thoughts that are negative, but more, are you an overthinker? and Is it something that has been there with you for a while, or is it more when times are tough, your brain goes into negative overdrive?
0: I think it's a combination of both for me. Um, I've definitely had some issues with anxiety, especially just, you know, walking alone on the street. It could be at any time. It's just been something that uh, over time it's gotten worse and everything, and I thought it was a good opportunity to try and work on that. And especially with overthinking in just personal like friendships, relationships, family, school, everything combined. It's always just been something that's uh, been a bit of an issue for me. So something like mindfulness, it, it really helps me to battle those things and keep it more calm.
1: Wow well I it's not like appropriate usually to speak about anxiety but let's go there because there will be a lot of gold in there so my yeah. question yeah. is usually people who have anxiety are two things or three even one when they were really small they had such a family situation where they needed to attune their emotions a lot because there could be like negativity at any point so it was like early detection mm-hmm. so they become very sensitive emotionally and or you are someone who is more of an artist and you have such a deep connection with your emotions and because the brain over focuses on the negative emotions then any slight negativity gets amplified into anxiety or it's just that at some point you are someone who felt that you didn't really uh, feel a lot of people understand you or know you so there is a bit of separation with other humans and that can lead to feeling there the other or the outside group or in a way, a potential source of danger. Can you comment on this, or is just some uh, hypotheses that are totally and absolutely wrong?
0: Well, I think when I was younger, I was a very confident kid. Um, I always had a very easy time making friends and everything, and even when I uh, moved to Ukraine, it was, it was no problem for me. But uh, I think it started when I was about maybe 13 to 14 years old, and I found myself really having this anxiety when I was put in situations where I needed to speak uh, in Russian, in restaurants, or to people who I didn't really know. Because, with English being my first language, of course, and me not being fluent in Russian, it always kind of, I don't really know how to say it. It just, I didn't want to embarrass myself while speaking. And even when entering a restaurant, I would always ask my friends, can you please come down and like pick me up? Because I don't want to go in alone. So it was really interesting for me. But since moving to Rotterdam, and it could be a combination between maybe the meditation, but also just being in a country where there are more fluent English speakers, um, it's gone down significantly. So I find that very interesting.
1: Me too. It's so interesting. And even from before, did you happen to revisit the UK and Britain while you were still living, whether, um, oh, okay, basically in Ukraine, because when you were in Russia, you were too young anyway. So did you visit every summer or anything like that?
0: Yeah, I, we used to go to the UK every single summer, at least maybe two to three times a year, I was going back to the UK. And maybe it's also just in very, very crowded areas. The anxiety definitely goes up. Uh, I remember one of my main memories when I had a little bit of an episode. I was walking with my mom down Oxford Street in London. And I just remember having this fast feeling of like I was having trouble like breathing and everything. And I was very, very confused because I never really had such a feeling before. But I think I was around 14 or something when that first happened. And it was just, uh, yeah, it was a shock for me. But yeah, I haven't really had anything as bad as that since.
1: I mean, I will say that's wonderful, although it, it, it's not appropriate. But I'm saying is, does that pain allow you to connect with the pain of other people? And therefore, it's one of the reasons why you chose to study uh, international social challenges and in a way that because for example and you love meditation and you're into it and you find it valuable one of the things that a zen enlightened person would say that the long road to enlightenment one of the main benefits of it is that if you struggle on that way when you're enlightened and look at a beginner you will have empathy for the hardship that is ahead of them and that they're they're experiencing so you will not feel like in a way disconnected or from those people so to you did that anxiety and maybe uh, those overthinking even get you connected with the pain in the world and therefore encouraged you to work to resolve it for others and maybe in a way feel that they will that will reflect on you into a happier, less anxious uh, being.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, yeah, one of the main reasons that I chose this course is because I feel like I am quite an empathetic person. And I really, really enjoy sharing, you know, close human connection, especially with my friends growing up in Ukraine. I've known most of them for over nine years now and to me they are my family and with this course I think with anxiety you do kind of get that more like you said the more empathetic you have a maybe you want to reach for a deeper connection to other people and helping people out so I think there's definitely a connection between the two.
1: Wow. Now I'm going to ask more because I'm a very, very high empath, which means like I can really, really sense and feel everybody's emotions even if they're walking around. And when I was, you know, in that age that you spoke about 12 to 13, actually any small glance that you could be negative or even for a millisecond it just touched at at such a deep level and i was like what's happening why do people hate me <laughs> or something like that okay. what's going yeah. on i don't know so does this relate to that when you speak in russian and make any mistake maybe there is like an instinctive like ah like what what's what's wrong and you in a way felt that as a deep humiliation although objectively maybe that other person was kind an understanding, but it just they were not uh, like the instinctive. You know, when someone speaks English and they make a mistake, and you feel like ah, uh, like uh, I don't know how to explain that. Yeah. Maybe it was just an instinctive um, uh, response that is a bit negative, but that was interpreted through the amplification of your empathetic ability into humiliation, and maybe that is what's happening. Or can you comment on this?
0: Yeah, I think especially with meeting new people um, and maybe just Ukrainians or Russians who don't actually know I'm from the UK at first glance, um, when they introduce themselves to me or ask a question and maybe for a second, I think I'll know what they're saying and then I'll respond and then they'll look very confused at me because I've obviously maybe misinterpreted what they've said. Um And yeah, it just makes me, it kind of pulls me into this spiral of overthinking, oh, uh, I wonder what they think of me. Do they think I'm not intelligent? Uh," And things like that. It's just a lot more, um, it's a lot more challenging speaking in a different language than your own because you're not always going to be able to get all the uh, points or emotions you want across it uh causes some difficulty when communicating
1: i agree with you as someone who speaks six languages i had spent most of my time being that person who is making all the mistakes and therefore (laughs) (laughs) i know how that matters and even you always finally you end up with an accent in every single language because you speak too many and therefore everybody thinks you're a foreigner everywhere (laughs) you go and that's like I think it's cool. It makes me citizen of the world. So yeah. I, belong, I belong to nowhere and everywhere. And to ask you then something else, which is about music and documentaries and things like that, documentaries, for example, and let's begin with that. What is fascinating to you about them? And do you have one or two favorite documentaries that either touched a chord in you at a deep level? Or there's just something you enjoy watching and you think, wow, I like this. This is my kind of documentary.
0: Well, I have always loved documentaries. I think it's a fun way to learn more about the world and topics that you might not uh, be as familiar with and everything. Um, I started watching documentaries very, very young. Uh, My mom and dad are also a very big fan of documentaries. So I think that's why I kind of got into it and uh, continued. Um, I definitely say my favorite genres of documentary are probably crime and things to do with the environment. So anything that's uh, by David Attenborough, I completely love. And also on Netflix, they have such a great selection of different crime documentaries. There was this one really good one on Madeline McCann. And she was this young girl in the UK. And I actually remember uh when it was announced on the news that she was kidnapped and yeah it was just really really interesting to kind of revisit that uh when i was older and uh yeah I was just i just love documentaries yeah
1: i don't know that doesn't sound like it helps you if just by walking around you feel anxiety watching <laughs> girls getting kidnapped is yeah, not I
0: like <laughs> Yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't think it's the best thing and there is a category of podcasts called true crime or crime podcasts that are very fascinating. I would recommend that to you. And to come back, another thing, you said that people just by looking at you don't even realize or know you're not Slavic. Does it do you have something in your family that will give you those genetics or you just look like a local in Ukraine, although you're not? Or, like, how did you deal with it? Was it it a source of pride, um, something that you enjoyed looking like a local? Or you weren't comfortable with that violation of expectation, of them expecting you to be from there? And then when you open your mouth, they're like, oh, what's happening here? This is like uh, a brain fry.
0: I mean, I feel like when... Most people uh, just every day, you know, if you're in a foreign country, so me being in Ukraine, most people are going to expect you to not be a foreigner because, I mean, you're not really going to expect that at first glance. Um, but I think it was especially... Uh, my friend group is almost completely Ukrainians and Russians. So the company that I meet from them they're also going to assume that I'm Ukrainian or Russian as well, because I'm hanging out with a whole group of Ukrainian and Russian speakers. So I feel like that's a fair assumption, but I've never really minded. It's just a simple, you know, phrase to say like, oh, sorry, I don't speak Russian. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's not it's not a big deal for me. But yeah, it can be a little bit challenging sometimes, but nothing too serious.
1: Actually, for me, of course, it's obvious I'm a foreigner in Ukraine. But when I lived in Brazil, people expected me to be a a local so much (laughs) that if I spoke in English, they're like, oh, come on, stop pretending to be a foreigner. And because I speak Brazilian Portuguese as well, although with an accent, Mm -hmm. I will speak it and I'll be like... Why do you try to sound like a foreigner? I mean, what's happening? I'm like, how do I prove to you I'm not from Brazil? They're like, nah, come on, you're joking. Nobody believed, like, they weren't even able to say, no, you are from here. And either if I spoke in English, they're like, oh my God, your English is so good for a Brazilian. Wow. If I spoke in Brazilian, yeah. if I spoke in Brazilian Portuguese, they're like, Why do you pretend to have an accent? Is it like some snob thing? And I'm like, dude, I'm not from here. And they're like, no, no, we don't believe you. Well, to ask you then a bit more, I like Rotterdam. But the weather there, when you're on one of those bridges and the wind just hits you, although there is no snow, it's absolutely chilling to the bone. Can you compare winter in Rotterdam compared to Kiev? Especially that many people think, Oh, Kiev is like Siberia, and they imagine it to be horrible. And when I talked to Steph, she spoke about Canada and how the winter there is 10 times worse than Kiev. Well, how is the winter in Rotterdam compared to Ukraine or Kiev, at least?
0: Well, yesterday, it actually snowed in Rotterdam. And I was not expecting that at all, because on the weather forecast for a while, it's been saying it's going to snow today, but it, it never really happened. But the snow here, compared to in Ukraine, it's nothing comparable. Even the temperatures here, it was snowing and it was one degree. And now all the snow is gone. It's melted. And uh, even talking to my friends, they've been saying that in Ukraine right now, it's around minus 15. The snow, it's, it's a lot. So I, just, I don't even think that there's a comparison to be made between the two. Ukrainian winters are a different story compared to here but the wind the okay. is not fun that's for sure the wind and the rain in rotterdam uh it's 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 annoying 100 percent.
1: i agree with you and to tell you then even more do you have a kind of season or weather that gives you the mood that is perfect for you because actually i met some people in ukraine who love it when it snows a lot they get the best mood in autumn and in winter and while most of the world, I would say, and I will argue, will say spring and summer. Even many Ukrainians are like the best mood, excellent mood, kind of weathers. To you as a person, especially that you have uh, that genetic from the north. Maybe you're related to Jon Snow somehow. <laughs> you're you're from Winterfell. Mm-hmm. Well, the Winterfell and people they love uh, the snow, but not the. The long night Mm -hmm. (laughs) to you, which weather gives you the best mood? And if so, would you like someday consider spending a year or so on some Caribbean island or in Greece on the beach? Or for you, Ukraine, Kievan people, your friends who are now your family, that is much more valuable and important than just a few weeks of sunshine and a good tan.
0: Well, I mean, my favorite season, it's got to be autumn. Uh, There's something kind of comforting about just rolling out of bed. It's a little chilly. And then you just put on like a hoodie and a nice warm jacket. It just reminds me of being back in Ukraine, honestly. But um, I mean, my plans for retirement, I'm wanting to be in a very nice hot country like Greece, maybe off the coast in Italy, something like that. But um, before then, I think my plans will to be to stay in the Netherlands but definitely go back to Ukraine for one to two years um, and work there, hopefully. Something to do with uh, my course. Uh, I'd love to get involved in helping out Ukraine and everything like that.
1: You have to ask Dutch people about a word they use called chazellech, which is amazing. <laughs> okay. You know it or not? It's like
0: so, no. what you
1: describe. It's what you describe. It's like a way of saying it's cozy, but homely and like really nice. And it describes a state of being both at home, cozy and in autumn. And just ask them what does it mean? Okay. Because okay. it's not easy to translate. Okay. Well, you love sports, especially soccer. And there is something called uh, the runner's high, where after exercise, you get a rush of endorphins that make you feel really good. Is that to you the best part about soccer, or is it more about the team sports and working together as a unit? Or what is to you the favorite thing about sports? Maybe you even have uh, some. Something you remember, maybe a, a classical between Barcelona and Real Madrid that made you fall in love with it? Or what is a story you can share?
0: Well, one of the stories that comes to my mind first is uh, Manchester United versus Manchester City. It was uh, Wayne Rooney's bicycle kick outside of the, the box. And I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. But even before that, I grew up playing football with my dad constantly. And I think when I started getting more serious about it, it was the adrenaline rush. You go up, the the nerves and everything. And I know this is kind of contradicting because I said about anxiety and everything. But it's something about the rush that you get before you play that game. Your heart's beating everything. You're just thinking about the game the day before and it's just such an exciting sport there's nothing like it in my opinion it's yeah it's amazing i get really really just happy playing it and unfortunately i actually haven't played it in a little over a year now because uh since school stops i haven't really had anywhere to play especially now
1: i love what you said there because scientifically if you are feeling the same emotions that your brain is interpreting negatively you call that anxiety or if your brain views it as positive it's called excitement but physiologically it's exactly the same experience and that's why they say you know if you have anxiety it's not possible to easily calm yourself down but if you change your frame to view it as something exciting for whatever reasons you can come up with that is a much easier transition because it's simply changing the frame rather than trying to calm your body down which doesn't work in a way where it calms down in one second or so but in one second you can go from anxious to excited or some people even say don't even try to get excited get curious Mm. say okay i'm i'm really anxious but i'm curious about why am I anxious or I'm curious what is happening that is causing me to be anxious or what is this surprise that will be intriguing and therefore you change your metacognition and meta emotion so you feel curious about your anxiety and that changes the whole frame well then to ask you you mentioned your father playing soccer with your father I understand you have such a warm deep and uh, really meaningful relationship with your father which is normal of course but can you share more about that your favorite things with your father favorite memories the meaning of that relationship to you
0: well i think uh i've definitely been a little bit of a tomboy growing up and everything you know uh my sister was the complete opposite she uh she was a lot more girly. we had different uh interests i was always very sporty really wanted to just play sports all the time. And me and my dad really bonded over that because as he was a young boy, young man, he was into football. And still we have conversations about football games. Uh, We used to watch football games together um, quite a lot. So that was kind of our bonding moment, you know? And uh, I think that's what kind of brought us together and everything. And those were all just very special memories to me that I'll never forget because... You know, growing up, that's what I used to love doing most, just going to the park and playing football with my dad. Uh, it was amazing, yeah.
1: Wonderful. You mentioned you're a tomboy. Well, let's d- dive a bit deeper into this. Does it mean that with boys and men and the masculine, you tend to find more commonalities to understand what's going on more and be more comfortable compared with the girls and the feminine and everything? Or it just was a temporary part of your life? And as you grow up, you become more and more of that Barbie princess typical stereotype (laughs) of a girl? Or, Or can you share more about this?
0: Well, I think I've always definitely, um, had better friendships, uh, and more meaningful friendships with, uh, guys, I think, um, I just, yeah, definitely more in common with them, I feel, um, and that definitely stems from sports and everything, uh, growing up, I had pretty much all guy friends, um, And even now, the majority of my friendship group, they are all guys and everything who I love. Um, But, yeah, I think it all stems from just interests and playing sports and that common ground.
1: I... Love your answer, although women and girls are missing out on a great friend by not being in your circle. And to ask you then about movies and films, since that's one of your interests, is there one movie or a couple that to you represent what you love most in movies? And can you speak more about what is the thing about movies that attracts you and makes you just be almost enchanted?
0: Okay, well, the first one I would have to say is Django Unchained, which is a Tarantino movie, um, as well as Fight Club. I thought that that was amazing as well. Um, Also, The Departed. I think that's also a fantastic film. But um, the main thing about all three of these movies is I really, really appreciate the film work of uh, the directors and everything. in Django Unchained, especially, I like how it was filmed as, you know, an old kind of Western movie. Um, but also it Tarantino was able to include a modern twist to it, and that was used in the soundtrack. And I just think that um, these directors, they're geniuses, when they make such a beautiful movie and it resonates with you. And it can just pull out all these emotions in you that, you know, you don't maybe feel on an everyday basis. They, they can hit a chord with you. And I think that's beautiful that they're able to do that.
1: Wonderful. Which makes me think that's exactly before a big match, that excitement is not your everyday emotion. And therefore, to ask you, are you someone then who really, really, let's say, gets nourished by emotions that you love the whole gamut and variety of emotions that you don't mind put in a movie just to cry or put in a movie just to laugh and then the next day put in a movie to be in a great mood and then if you're sad you just roll with it and consider it part of the roller coaster or are you more like guys where they prefer a stable good mood all throughout the year or whatever rather than that Riding the wave of ups and downs in emotion?
0: Uh, I think the first one, 100%. I've always thought if I'm trying to feel maybe a specific emotion at a specific time. So I remember this was maybe a month ago or something. I wanted to cry for some reason. I really wanted to cry. So I put on uh, the green mile. I think that's what it's called. But uh, yeah, because I, I just really wanted to cry. And I uh, heard that it was a very emotional movie and I've been wanting to uh, watch it and everything. But I knew I wasn't going to watch it if I didn't want to cry because I knew it was going to happen.
1: Really? That's fascinating. Some people say that the usefulness of this variety of emotions is that you experience who you are under very different circumstances and therefore you learn more about who you are and you get more mature and more experienced and more in understanding of who you are through these emotions while some other people like uh, drama queens for example (laughs) they just say it's just delicious you know (laughs) to, to have this variety i'm not learning anything but it's just fun like being in disneyland before coronavirus can you comment on this
0: i mean i think if you're really focusing on a movie and you know i always have this routine if i'm about to watch a really good movie i'm gonna put my phone on do not disturb i'm gonna put it away and i'm gonna pay complete attention to that movie because i really just want to watch it interpret it analyze it everything while also just enjoying it because i think that's the whole point of movies you're supposed to watch them and maybe take something away from them. And I think that that's really, really, really important.
1: Great. Then two things. One, did you watch that documentary, The Social Dilemma? And because you mentioned that you put your phone on Do Not Disturb, do you find that social media is becoming more and more of an addiction and that it's like with the notifications and everything, it is becoming something that takes us out from the present moment and from our life and it's not a positive thing while other people will say of course i love them likes give me more this is fun so what is your comment on this as well as you said that you like to take something from every um, movie which means i'm asking you are you a learner do you love to discover and learn new things all the time and it's like almost a hobby for you? Or is this only related to those specific times when you do wish to get something out of a movie or a piece of music or a documentary? So it's one about your position on whether uh, social media is a problem or just an extra fun thing to enjoy. And um, as well as whether you learn all the time from everything you do or only on specific occasions.
0: Well, yes, I did watch the social dilemma, and I think that it was, uh, yeah, it was really, really well done. Um, I think for teenagers at my age, I think it really depends because you see a lot of people over focused on social media. And even myself, if I do have my phone on do not disturb, I still feel myself like reaching over to try and pick it up to see if I have any notifications. And I feel like that has become a bad habit now. So I am trying to improve it. And also, um, even that constant just uh, notification sound, it can get a little bit annoying. So I think it is really important for people to just turn off their phone sometime and, you know, focus on themselves because it definitely can be addiction. Um, especially for, you know, women, men, whoever They're so caught up on getting all these likes on, uh, Instagram and it's almost like it's their validation. And I think that that's a very unhealthy relationship that really needs to be, um, worked on. Um, and then to answer the second part of your question,
1: whether you try to get something out from everything and always learning or specific times and specific situations where you focus on that.
0: Well, I definitely think I, I'm always learning, especially when it comes to uh, meeting new people. I found in university, actually, um, I'm really, really interested to kind of getting to know everyone's uh, backstories and everything i just think it's important for you to always try and be learning new information every day because you know you're never gonna know when you can maybe meet someone and then you know those shared common interests or backgrounds it's i think it's really really important um to have that
1: i love what you're saying i agree with you and even before what you mentioned about do not disturb For the last five years, my phone is 100% silent. And still, I find myself even worse is that you check the screen just because you wonder, did something pop up or (laughs) not? And (laughs) and it's not even like, what's the use then? Uh, At least if I hear it, I don't have to stop something just to check and make sure what's happening, what happened since the last time I checked. And, well, to ask you more, You don't have to say this, since it's uh, a, what is, like, think about the most meaningful relationship for you, because you seem to be really, really interested in people and in developing some strong bonds with them. Well, what is the most meaningful relationship with you? Don't say this, but say this part. Why is that relationship so meaningful to you? What makes for you a relationship meaningful?
0: Okay, so I feel like, for me, friendship is the most meaningful thing that you can ever have with someone. Um, And I think it's just so important because once you really get to know someone, you can kind of pick up on their emotions, their moods, and it's also a very comforting feeling just to know that someone is looking out for you at all times. Um, and a true friend with their best intentions at heart, I think it's really, really beautiful to have those type of friendships where you can actually say, Okay, this friend is literally my family. I think it's it's genuinely beautiful to me that, you know, two people from different countries, uh, different worlds, they can come together and then all of a sudden they can completely click. Or over time just grow a very, very special bond and connect on such a deep level?
1: I love this and I will ask two things. You mentioned clicking or growing together over time. Don't mention like exactly which person happened with or not, because if they listen, they won't be happy about (laughs) that. But which percentage of friends do you have? Do you think you clicked right away compared to which percentage you grew? together over time and as well as in addition to this some people your age would prefer to make friends who are the same age so it's just equal and just fun while others prefer a bit younger so they're teaching others and already being a mentor while others prefer to make friendships with people who are more experienced in order to learn from them which one is the case for you so two things about with your friends uh, what's the like kind of percentage you clicked right away versus you grew uh, close over time? And second, whether you prefer to be friends with people who are more experienced and wiser or people you are the wise one teaching them or just same age, same experiences it's just fun and enjoyable.
0: Well, for the majority of my uh closest friends now, it was it was it took time, I feel, because I mean we did grow up together. Um, so we kind of know each other from when we were young and then all the way growing up. But what I found interesting is that with the people that I've met in university, a lot of it is just clicking straight away compared to back in Ukraine, where it's more of like a gradual building up, uh, to actually, um, solidify a really, really strong friendship. Um, and then to answer the second part of your question I mean, I have a variety, you know, some of my friends are slightly older than me. Um, I think that that's quite important, to be honest, because I feel like you can always learn a lot more from people who are more experienced. Um, But then also my closest friends, majority of my age, and then a few younger ones, just a grade below. Um, And it's just interesting to see different people's perspectives and everything at different ages on the world, um, and seeing that change as well is also quite, quite interesting to see.
1: I'm curious do you feel you're more mature than people your age and maybe your psychological age is like 55 or 60 or something like that because you come across that way but maybe you were a debater in high school or something so you learned to come across that way. While well, being a baby in your mind, I don't know. <laughs> you, you tell me. And second, you spoke about that trust and being family with your friends. Did it? Does it mean you had situations in your life where you were somewhat betrayed or you trusted and made friends with people who broke your heart and that's why you value this a lot? Or it's just something that you notice in your family valuing, so you valued it from the very beginning?
0: Um, I think I definitely valued it from the very beginning um I mean I don't really want to say that I'm more mature than like people my own age um but I feel like I seek to um have deeper conversations and deeper connections uh than a lot of people my own age um and I'm not really sure why that is. Maybe it is something to do with the family values and everything and how I grew up and the friends that I have today and just the majority of our conversations being uh quite emotional and philosophical. Um so yeah, maybe I am slightly mature for my age, but I also I also think that that comes with um my own experiences in my past and also learning about other people's experiences in their past.
1: I love that. And now I'm wondering, because you didn't speak about this at all, do you have some kind of art or poetry or painting or photography or even dance that you use to express emotions and uh, convey your artistic side? Or are you more of someone who appreciates art, could be even an art critic someday, and that is not something that is a primary part of your expression
0: i think i'm definitely more of a person who appreciates it rather than actually does it um i i I definitely have a great appreciation for music and then as we talked about as well uh filmmaking and everything um but yeah i've never been much of an artist myself honestly
1: well then let's talk about music What is to you the most fascinating thing when it comes to music, the thing that shows genius? And are you more of a lyrical kind of appreciator or you're more of the melodic kind where you don't mind just listening to music without any words?
0: Uh, Definitely both. I feel like I have a very large uh, appreciation for all kinds of music. I can listen to a great piece of music without any lyrics and still be really, really just appreciating that music. Uh, I could also listen to a great song with beautiful lyrics and also appreciate it at an equal amount. Um, And I think...
1: One second, one second. This is important. Are you a hopeless romantic? I'm only saying this because you appreciate music, you appreciate documentaries, you appreciate movies, you appreciate people, you appreciate their backstories, which all come from the archetype of the lover in Carl Jung's psychology, and the lover usually has the kryptonite of being a hopeless romantic. Can you discuss this, or it's just something that came in the use of the words, but it's not reality?
0: Well, I don't know if I'd say I'm a hopeless romantic, but I definitely have a very loving and romantic side to me. Um that I like to express.
1: So you validate your friend, you support them, you tell them, you tell your family you love them, you hug your cat if you have your <laughs> don't have allergy or your teddy bear, I'm not sure which one. Yeah, so you're that kind of person.
0: Absolutely, yeah.
1: And maybe that's why you want to hug the whole world through your MESOC studies. <laughs>
0: maybe, maybe.
1: <laughs> yes. The international social challenges. Yeah. Well some people and to tell you because in ukraine and you grew up there some people will say look you should you choose a very practical profession like engineer uh, software developer uh, doctor something like that well if you choose something like your studies especially as a non-ukrainian it will be difficult to find A job that will appreciate your talents and reward you appropriately for all the hard work then what would you say to this is this a reality or maybe uh, your field is growing and it has a lot of prospects just can you comment on this
0: i the main reason i chose this course is because i thought it was so important especially for our future with all these different issues happening around the world Uh, You have climate change, you have war, uh, poverty, starvation, everything. I think this course is a perfect uh, match for me uh, in order to work towards um, solving some of these issues that are currently happening. And maybe it's not the most traditional pathway, but I think it's the one that's going to bring me the most uh, happiness.
1: I love that. Then I have to ask about you. Are you a strong-minded, very independent person who comes to your own conclusions and have no qualms about saying no when you disagree with people? Or are you more of the harmony-seeking, compromising person who you don't even want to break people's hearts and tend to be nice, like Mrs. Nice Girl who is agreeing with people even if in reality, it's not a full expression of your truth, and you're trying to change that.
0: I mean, I'd say that I'm quite stubborn, but at the same time, I think, uh, I wouldn't say I'm trying to please everyone all the time, but I'm definitely trying to, if that is something like a conflict or anything, I'm more of a person to try and talk it through to that person. I have had struggles in the past where I'm just like, oh, I don't want to talk about this anymore um, because I kind of reached my limit and I don't want to discuss the situation anymore. But now I think I've grown up a little bit more and I've understood that it's never, ever good to leave uh, a conflict unresolved. Um, I think it's, yeah, it's important to just communicate how you're feeling and understand uh, another person's perspective as well as um, putting yours across so that they can also understand where you're coming from.
1: This is very interesting. And I will take you back to you speaking about that documentary about the British girl who got kidnapped. And you s- used the word, I wanted to revisit that as I got older. Well, what I notice is that with time, every year, if you reread the book from before, or you see a movie, maybe even Fight Club, you will see it with fresh eyes where you will get something new out of it. That is my experience. But is it also what you notice that with time and the things you learn from people, you might revisit uh, movies and music and documentaries and see something you didn't see before. And then you wonder, did it change? Or is it me who is another person now
0: absolutely I feel like when you do revisit these old things you reach and kind of take in different meanings from it and things that you didn't notice before maybe things that you didn't understand before um and you interpret them as different things and I think that is just about you know growing up as a person you're able to um take these new things Uh, from a book a movie whatever it is and uh, yeah kind of analyze it a bit more and see how that's changed I think that's quite interesting honestly
1: I love that answer and this can go on forever (laughs) for even like a hundred hours or so so let's speak about Ukraine and Kiev you as someone who has experienced it in a very deep and meaningful way although from an international school perspective well if you were to convey what is to you Kiev and Ukraine and the culture and the people to someone from abroad, a foreigner who never visited, how would you describe it? What would be the most important things you will share or the most meaningful parts that to you would convey that connection you have with Kiev?
0: I would say that Ukraine is um, very rich in that culture. I think The people there, a lot of people think that, um, you know, Soviet people are very serious and, you know, maybe unfriendly, but it's actually the complete opposite. Uh, One of my friends, Kirill, he actually said this before, but he's described uh, friends and uh, family members in Ukraine and Russia. It's more of like a like a brotherhood that they have there compared to maybe ideals that they might have in somewhere like America, for example, where it's more focused on me, 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 compared to Ukraine, where it's more we, like we together will work on this all together. And I think that was super, super clear to me. And I had that realization with the revolution that happened. Um, And I think that those protests are a very, very, strong kind of uh showing to what ukraine is all about and the people there and how they will work together to try and you know get what they believe is right get what they deserve and there's just a lot of love there it's beautiful it's just uh, an amazing place amazing country and i love it yeah
1: wonderful actually now i have to ask another thing you grew up basically in russia and then ukraine and one of the people i interviewed is olga kushner where he's when she spoke when she went to switzerland people will comment that she had such a serious face although inside she was full of emotions she called it her poker face well since you grew up for so long there did you notice you had This tendency of having a poker face, or because your family is basically British, it's not a factor for you at all.
0: No, I definitely have a poker face. I know exactly what she's talking about. Um, yeah, I I don't know what it is, honestly. I just it's just my resting face, but everyone always says, Oh, why do you look so serious? Like, are you upset? Are you mad? I'm just like, no, this is just my face. Like, I don't really understand. Um, but maybe it's not all about growing up in Russia or in Ukraine. It's also maybe my dad, he has quite a serious face, but it's a complete opposite for my mom. She's a very, very smiley woman. So I don't know, me and my sister, we both kind of picked up this uh, this stun kind of uh, poker face. Uh, so yeah.
1: So even when you're very happy or in a loving mood, or in a good mood, or chazellech, as the Dutch would say, you still in your face don't show much emotions.
0: Uh, I mean, it depends. I I feel like it depends. Maybe if I'm in a room with like a close group of my friends, I'll have I'll show more emotion than compared to if I'm with uh, a group of people who I'm not as familiar with, or in a restaurant or something. it depends but yeah on a regular basis i feel like my face seems to be quite emotionless even if i'm not feeling that way
1: that's funny you mentioned again restaurants is like your pet peeve (laughs) the belly of the beast uh, and the hero's journey that's where the restaurant is where the final boss will be (laughs) waiting waiting for you to eat (laughs) them and get that trophy of uh, achievement yeah Well, this was wonderful. If you have any concluding remarks or words to share with the listeners, please do. And if people want to uh, get to know you more, to communicate with you, which links would you like them to click through that I will write below in the description?
0: Well, for your listeners, I just want to advise you to please, please go and visit Ukraine. You will not be disappointed. You will fall in love with it. You will fall in love with the culture, the people, everything. It's an amazing, amazing country, and you should definitely go visit. Um, and I'd also like to say thank you to you for having me on today. Uh, it's been a pleasure. And if you want to find me, uh, my main social account is Instagram. It is underscore Emily underscore Cans underscore.
1: Perfect. Thank you so much. This was so much fun, and I wish you a great night.